It's been a privilege, uh, one of my blessings for many years to have known this brother. And uh, he's, one of my, he's one of my favorite uh, men just to hang around. We don't get to hang out near enough together. But uh, every time I, we talk on the phone, it's, uh, it's like talking to the brother that I haven't talked to in a long time. He, he'll tell you more about it. He is the founder of a lot of Messiah Ministries out of Atlanta, Georgia, ministering the gospel of Christ, primarily, but not exclusively. They, they, they'll share with anybody, but the call is to minister to the Jewish people around the world. Uh, as you leave this morning, there will be love offering uh, opportunity at the exits. Wayne will see we have plates, and that's for you to invest in the ministry of Lada Messiah. But give a, a house of prayer welcome to Mary Tillis. Shalom and good morning. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm going to begin with a little Hebrew lesson. Shalom is a Hebrew word. It means hello and goodbye. Some people say that that means that we don't know whether or not we're coming or going. That's but that's really not true because shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. So when we greet you with shalom, it's customary to respond, to reply with shalom in return. So why don't we try that again, but this time with everyone together a little louder and Jewish style, shalom. Shalom. Much better. Maybe I should have said shalom, y'all. <laughs> now, how many of you have ever, how many of you have never heard me speak before? Never heard me speak before? Okay, so, oh, wow, a lot of you have not, not ever heard me before. Um, I've been here several times, and um, I will continue to introduce myself just a little bit here before we open up God's Word. And I'm assuming you're going to be bringing the screens down at some point. Okay, cool. Um, so, by way of introduction, uh, Jerry already introduced me a little bit. Um, I am the founder and director of Light of Messiah Ministries. Our ministry is an outreach to the Jewish community in the metro Atlanta area, in um, the southeast and really around the world. Our ministry is working internationally. We're helping other mission organizations in Paris and, and Israel, and we're working together with a lot of different missions to take the gospel, to bring the gospel to the Jewish people. Uh, it's really amazing for me to, to sit in church and and worship with you all. Uh, I am Jewish. I was born and raised in a religious Jewish home. And our mission is, is, a, is my heart to reach my people with the message of Jesus. And so to hear you worshiping and to hear you praising the Lord and for me to worship with you, a Jewish Jesus, um, it, it's just a, a real blessing for me. Um, the focus of our ministry is, is taking the gospel to the Jewish community. I was raised in a religious Jewish home and uh, very quickly, I'll tell you that I um, was searching in college. I became a believer in Jesus while a student uh, in college about 36 years ago at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. So pastor, pastor knows what to say. Anybody else Tar Heel fan here? No? Okay, good. Great, great. God bless you. Uh, <laughs> Oh gosh, listen in church, people are already becoming divisive and <laughs> as long as nobody says the, the Duke word, that's fine with me. You can pull for anybody you want, but not them. Anyway, so I was, I was um, in college and I was searching and um, what happened to me was having been raised in a religious Jewish home, I was taught that 
Christ is your God and, and you can't be Jewish and believe in him. That's what I was taught growing up. But, but as I got to college and I started wondering about my own relationship with God, um, I tell my story and, and in my story, I wanted to read the Bible but didn't have a Bible. And so my very first Bible in college was a Gideon's Bible that I stole out of a Motel 6. <laughs> thank God for the Gideons and thank God for Motel 6 because they leave a light on for you and a Bible in, in the room for you to take. Hey, dude, I came up to the mission house last night. There was not a light on for me. I had to, I had to stumble through the darkness. But when I go to Motel 6, there's always a light on. And um, so I get to share my story in lots of different places, including Gideon's uh, pastor's appreciation banquets. And everywhere I go, you know, people say to me, Murray, you did not steal that Bible. That, that, that Bible was there for, for you to take. And, and I look at him and I go, what about the towel that I wrapped it up in when I took it? They, like, totally do not, they, 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 they I, I, I like get to the word of God and stop telling all my stories. Okay, I'm, I'm going to get there. So anyway, that Bible was the Bible I started reading, and, 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 and I, I got connected with a Bible study across the hall from me, and they were a bunch of believers involved in InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and they asked me if I had ever read any of the Old Testament prophecies that talk about the coming of the Messiah, and I said, no. They said, why don't you read Isaiah 53? And so I read Isaiah chapter 53, and I saw for the first time a picture of, of Messiah, of Jesus, actually, who I thought was Jesus in the Old Testament. Testament. And then I thought to myself, I'm going to read in the New Testament. I'm going to find out about your God, about the Christian God, about who, you know, you guys believe in Christ and you pray to Christ and you pray in Christ's name. And, and I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to read and I'm going to start in Matthew and I'm going to learn all about the Christian God and what Christians believe and all about Christianity. Well, I begin in Matthew chapter one, verse one, and I read, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I don't know how much more Jewish you can get than David and Abraham. And as I continued to read through the book of Matthew, I began to see that Jesus lived a Jewish life, that everybody who believed in him when he was here were Jewish. I was reading in the book of Matthew... This was to fulfill the word of the prophet. This was to fulfill the word of the prophet. This was to fulfill the word of the prophet. You have heard it said, but I say to you. You have heard it said, but I say to you. I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Jewish. Jesus. Something happened to me as I was reading through the book of Matthew. <clears throat> I fell in love with a rabbi. His name's Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 21. We're going to look at Jesus, a little bit of Jesus's life, and I want to I want to tell you, and this is actually uh, in Scripture, uh, Matthew chapter 21 is uh, is is Palm Sunday, if you will. Um, it's called Palm Sunday because he, as he came into Jerusalem, they were laying branches uh, down at his feet. But I want to look at, at Jesus entering Jerusalem, and then I want to look at, at Jesus re rebuking um, Jerusalem, and then I want to look at Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. Jesus entering Jerusalem, Jesus rebuking Jerusalem, and Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. I'm just going to take a few minutes to, 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 to land here in God's word. And, and then I want to say that one of the most difficult things for me to do and one of the most important things for me to do is to help 
my brothers and sisters in Christ to understand how much my people need Jesus. One of the most important and difficult things for me to do is to help my brothers and sisters in Christ understand how much my people need Jesus. If you were in Sunday school with me this morning, even if in the first service I talked to my dad on the telephone, but and he's Jewish and he doesn't believe Jesus is the Messiah. And in Sunday school this morning, I explained to the Sunday school class how desperately in need Israel and Jerusalem are for Jesus because Israel and the Jewish people, my people, are mostly secular and liberal and humanistic in their worldview and outlook towards life. And so my people need Jesus. And when Jesus went into Jerusalem, going in there for the last time at the very end of his earthly ministry, he went into Jerusalem He entered, he rebuked, and then he wept. Matthew chapter 21, we see Jesus going in. He enters Jerusalem. It's interesting, I was listening to some of the words of the songs, and we're talking about king and king Messiah and and, and the Messiah who who was king, but he also came as a lamb. And and here in Matthew chapter 21, at the very beginning, they came into Jerusalem, and he sent two disciples, and he said to them in verse 2, go to the village ahead of you, and, and you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them the Lord needs them and he will send them right away and here we go just as I saw all through the book of Matthew this took place to what fulfill the word spoken of the prophet does anybody know where that comes from Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 say to the daughter of Zion see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey fulfillment of messianic prophecy from Zechariah that Messiah would come into Jerusalem on a donkey really lowly a king but a king doesn't come on a donkey he was coming a suffering Messiah Um, Within Judaism today, there is the idea of Moshiach, Messiah ben Yosef, the son of Joseph, and Messiah, Moshiach ben David, Messiah, the, the, the son of David. And the idea within Judaism itself is that Messiah will suffer, Joseph suffered, and Messiah will be king. But we know that Jesus, when he came, he suffered. He's coming back as king of kings and lord of lords, not on a donkey, but on a great big horse he's coming with his king does that say that in the bible it sounds good preach it he is coming back as king of kings and lord of lords to establish his kingdom but jesus entered jerusalem on the foal of a cult but he still had power and we read what he did the first place he went when he entered into Jerusalem was he entered the temple verse 12 he entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves 
It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The beginning of Jesus rebuking Jerusalem. One of the things that I want people to see when they go to Israel, and we're doing a tour to Israel in October, when we land in Jerusalem, excuse me, in Tel Aviv at 10.30 in the morning, we get on a bus, and by one o'clock in the afternoon, we'd already seen Caesarea by the sea, and we are on Mount Carmel. And on Mount Carmel, we learn and read about Elijah. You all familiar with what happened with Elijah and the prophets? Elijah was calling who? Israel back into relationship with God. Why? Because Israel had turned to false gods. And Elijah said, I'm going to bring to you the God of Israel and you bring all of your false prophets and false gods and let's see who wins the battle on Mount Carmel. And you know what Israel did? The leaders, they were silent. They brought their gods. They brought their false gods. But whose God is true, the God of Israel? Jesus coming into Jerusalem to say, listen to me. Turn to chapter 23. Messiah continuing to rebuke my people. There's a little bit of a danger in me getting up here. And I thought about this over and over again. What message do I want to bring on Palm Sunday to the church what message? I want them to know that when Jesus came into Jerusalem, he was coming into a Jerusalem that for the most part has and did turn their back on him. Isaiah chapter 53, he was despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He came unto his but his own received him not. Jesus, chapter 23. He said to the crowds and his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Verse five, everything they do is for men to see. They love the place of honor at banquets and most important seats in the synagogue. Verse 13, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. Verse 15, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and see to win a single convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you. Please see God. Woe to you, religious leaders. Remember, please remember, this was all happening within a Jewish context. My dad, who's Jewish and an unbeliever, he says that the Gospels are the most anti-Semitic books that have ever been written. 
because he reads verses like this. People have used these verses wrongly over the millennia. But I'll say to my dad, hey dad, yeah, I understand what you're saying about these verses in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, but have you read Jeremiah recently? Have you read Isaiah recently? Have you read Hosea recently? Dad, my people, our people, God has been calling us out for thousands of years. He calls all of those who turned their back against God to repentance. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing with the spiritual leaders of his day. Jeremiah was doing the same thing. Isaiah was doing the same thing. And God told Jeremiah, go to Israel, Jeremiah, and nobody is going to listen to you. Not one person is going to listen to you. But Jeremiah, you go. And you speak. And you tell them. And be obedient. Hear God. Verse 23. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees. You give a tenth, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides open your eyes. You hypocrites, verse 25. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, open your eyes, see God. Verse 27, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. Please see God. And then Jesus looks out and he says to Jerusalem, verse 37, he weeps, agonizing inside. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chick under her wings, but you're not willing. Please see God. The apostle Paul also wept over the lostness of his people in Romans chapter 9, verse 1, he says, I tell you the truth in Messiah, my conscience bears witness in the Holy Spirit that I would wish myself accursed and cut off from Messiah, eternally separated from God for the sake of my people, the people of Israel, my kinsmen according to the flesh, Israel. Please. See God. I want to show you a video before I conclude the message. Jesus entered to Jerusalem. 
Jesus rebuked Jerusalem and Jesus wept and agonized over Jerusalem. The video that I'm going to show you, and I'm going to warn you guys in the back, you might want to get up and move a little closer once the video starts because the video is in Hebrew with English subtitles. Little difficult to see from the back. It's possible, but you might want to move up. I want to put the video into context for you. So important for you all to see this. The context of the video is it's a uh, nine-minute video of a young man who is Jewish and believes in Jesus. And he's on the street talking to Israelis, both in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, about what is considered by some, he calls it the hidden chapter in the Bible. Let me explain to you what that means. You're going to see him use the word Tanakh. Tanakh is the Hebrew word for the entirety of the Old Testament for Jewish people, which includes the Torah, the law, the prophets, and the writings. So the entirety of our Old Testament is the Jewish Bible. All the law, all the prophets, and all the writings. However, in the synagogue, Jewish people don't read from the Bible. They read from a book called the Chumash, which has in it the entirety of the law and parts of the prophets and the writings, such as sections. And so in this book that they read through in a year, they read the entirety of the law, but only part of the prophets and the writings. And when they are reading through Isaiah, they skip from Isaiah 52.12 to Isaiah 54.1. So Isaiah chapter 53 is completely left out of the readings in the synagogue on the Sabbath. So this young man is on the street asking people, have you ever read this and what do you think about this chapter? I want you to watch it and I want you to learn from it. And I want you to pray for my people. When the video's over, I'll come back up here and we'll conclude the message. פרק אחד בתוך הספר הזה, שהיו מקריאים אותו בבתי הכנסת כחלק מההפטרה, אבל אז הרבנים החליטו להוציא את זה מקריאת ההפטרה. היום זה נחשב הפרק האסור. האם שמעת על זה עוד האם את רוצה לראות מה נסתר בפרק הזה? יש לך את זה? יש לי פה בתל אביב. אני רוצה לדעת כמה שוטר על זה, האמת היא. 
בעצם בגלל זה אנחנו עושים את התוכנית הזאת, כי רוב האנשים לא קראו את הפרק הזה בכלל, כי לא, לא קוראים את זה עוד בבתי הכנסת. הפרק הוא ישעיהו נ"ג, נבואה מאוד חשובה על מי המשיח יהיה, ולמשך 1,700 שנים, מאז שהוא כתב את זה, כמעט כל הרבנים וחז"ל האמינו שזה פרק שמדבר על המשיח. בעצם גם בתלמוד, בסנדרין צדיק ח', גם ילקוט שמעוני, הזוהר, הרמב״ם, האמינו שהפרק הזה מדבר על המשיח. אז עכשיו אנחנו מגיעים לקטע הכי כיפי, שאנחנו נקרא כמה קטעים מאותו פרק ונראה על מה זה מדבר. זה וחדל אישים, איש מחובות וידוע חולי, וכמסתר פנים ממנו נבזה ולא חשבנו הוא היה בזוי ודחוי על ידי בני אדם, איש שידע כאבים ומחלות, הוא היה כמו אדם שמסתירים ממנו את הפנים, בזוי וחסר ערך בעינינו. שזה מדבר העניין הזה על, על המשיח. אדם שכמו שכתוב בזוי ודחוי על ידי החברה. העם שלנו היה משוכנע שהוא שלילי. לא יודע למה. לא קיבלו אותו. דחו אותו. לא חשבנו שהוא היה המשיח. כל אויינו הוא נשא ומחרובנו סבלם ואנחנו חשבנו הוא נגוע מוכה אלוהים מעונה אכן הוא נשא את המחלות שלנו, סבל את הכאבים שלנו ואנחנו התייחסנו אליו כמו אל חולה במחלה קשה שאלוהים גרם לו להיות מושפל ומעונה הוא לקח את כל הכאב ואת כל הסבל ואת כל המחלות עליו ובכל זאת אנו דחו אותו הוא עשה לנו טוב ובעצם נתנו לו רע בחזרה. הוא סובל בגללנו, בגלל כל ה... בעצם העבירות שאנחנו עושים, אז הוא סובל את הכאב הזה. הוא נתן לנו מעצמו, הוא סבל בשבילנו, הוא לקח את המחלות שלנו, את כל החטאים שלנו. מעוצר וממשפט, לוקח את דורו, מי ישוחח, כי נגזר מארץ חיים, מפשע עמי, נגע למו. וייתן את רשעים קברו, ואת עשיר במותיו, הלא חמס עשה, ולא מרמה בפיו. בפסוק 12 כתוב, תחת אשר הרע למוות נפשו. מה התוצאה של הסבל שלו בסופו של דבר? הוא מת. הוא מת. הוא ימות. עם עשירים. איזה כיף. אני גם רוצה. אז קיצר האשימו אותו על דברים שהוא לא עשה, וקיבל על זה. אבל לא, לא מוות עם כבוד. קודם כל, האם זה משהו ששמעת על המשיח, שכל הדברים האלה אמורים לקרות לו? לא. זה לא. יש גם את התיאור הזה, לא רק בפסוקים אלה, אבל גם בזכריה, בדניאל, במקומות אחרים, וגם הרבנים העתיקים הבינו שהמשיח אמור לסבול. והוא מחולל מפשענו, מדוכא מעוונותינו, מוסר שלומנו עליו, ובחבורתו נרפא לנו. כולנו כצאן טעינו, איש לדרכו פנינו, והשם הפגיע בו את עוון כולנו. אבל הוא נפצע בגלל הפשעים שלנו, בגלל החטאים שלנו, הוא שפן, נענש כדי שלנו יהיה שלום, ובזכות הפצע שלו נרפאנו. כולנו עבדנו כמו צאן, כל אחד מאיתנו פנה לדרכו, אבל אדוני הטיל את האחריות על החטאים של כולנו. הבנתי, על פי הפסוקים, כאילו, הוא יספוג את החולי והרוע שלנו, וזה ירפא אותנו, והוא בעצם יהיה בן אדם שנענש, שהוא ייקח על עצמו את כל ה... אוקיי. ניקח את כל העוונות שלנו, ואת כל המכאובים, ואת כל מה שעבדנו. הוא לקח על עצמו את הכל. שכל החטאים, וכל הדברים הרעים, וכל העונש הכבד, אלוהים, כאילו, 
יכניס את זה באדם אחד? אז על, על כל אחד מאיתנו לשאול, האם יש בי חטא? האם אי פעם גנבת משהו? אפילו משהו קטן, או משהו להוריד משהו מהאינטרנט שלא שייך לך? מי לא? למשל, האם אי פעם שיקרת? כן. בוודאי, כל אחד משקר. גם, גם אני, אני לא זכאי בזה. האם אי פעם חמדת? כן. ברור, אני חוטא גדול. וגם לפי התנ"ך, כל המחשבות וגישות הרעות שלנו, כמו אנוכיות, או הגאווה, או כל הדברים כאלה, הם גם נחשבים לחטא. אז אם, אם למשל אנחנו היינו מקרינים כל המחשבות שלך על מסך, וכולם שמכיר אותך היו רואים אותם, היית רואה רק מחשבות טובות שם, או גם uh, כמה לא, לא טובות? גם וגם, גם וגם, כן. קודם כל, ברור שתראה גם מחשבות לא טובות. אז כל האנשים, גם הצדיק שבצדיקים, יהיה להם מחשבות רעות בראש. אבל היו לפעמים מחשבות שהייתי אומרת, אם היא הייתה נעלמת זה היה טוב. אלוהים הוא קדוש וטהור לגמרי, והוא לא יכול להיות בנוכחות של חטא. אז זה בעצם, החטא שלנו מפריד אותנו ממנו, ומגיע לנו בסופו של דבר גם עונש. כתוב ביחזקאל ה-18, פסוק 4, שהעונש שמגיע לנו זה מוות. בסופו של דבר, הפרדה מאלוהים לנצח. אז בסוף אתה חושב שאתה צריך סליחה וכפרה על החטאים שלך או לא? כן, מאה אחוז. גם אני, גם כולם בעצם, אין מישהו שלא. אבל יש גם חדשות טובות. אלוהים הוא לא רק שופט, הוא גם אבא שאוהב אותנו. ולכן הוא נתן בתורה את המערכת הקורבנות. הקורבן היה לוקח על עצמו את החטאים של אותו בן אדם. כתוב שהקורבנות יפסקו. ושבמקום הקורבנות שהיו, אלוהים ישלח בן אדם שיקרא המשיח. שיקח על עצמו את כל החטאים. בדיוק, וזה מה שקראנו עכשיו. אלוהים נתן לנו בתנ״ך תיאור מאוד ספציפי של מי, מי המשיח יהיה כדי שנזהה אותו ולא נפספס אותו. וכמובן זה מאוד קריטי שנדע מיהו הבן אדם הזה, כי בלעדיו... אין לנו את הכפרה והסליחה כדי שהוא ייקח את החטאים שלנו. כתוב בדניאל פרסש שהוא חייב לבוא לפני חורבן בית המקדש השני. אז בעצם זה היה בשבעים לספירה. אז המשיח היה חייב לבוא לפני זה, לפי התנ״ך. כתוב גם במיכה ה' שהמשיח הזה ייוולד בבית לחם. וגם כתוב בישעיהו, מה שקראנו עכשיו, ישעיהו נ"ג, שהעם שלנו נדחה אותו בהתחלה, ושהוא יסבול וימות. וכתוב בפסוקים אחרי זה, אחרי שהוא ימות, הוא יקום אה, אה, לתחייה, ו, ואז כתוב כשגויים רבים יקבלו אה, אותו, ו, והם יכירו את אלוהי ישראל בגללו. אז עכשיו, מהתיאורים הללו, מהתנ״ך, יש מישהו בהיסטוריה שהגשים את הדברים האלה? אני לא יודעת. לא, אני לא ידוע. לך ידוע? יש מישהו שהקשיב את זה? לא. לא שאני חושב, יכול להיות שיש... תגיד לי עכשיו, אני לא... כן, אבל עכשיו לא עולה לי לראש. ישו. שמע, שוב אני חייב להזכיר שאני לא מאמין בזה בכלל, אבל לפי הסיפורים וכל מה ששמעתי, כן, זה מתאים לישוע. עשו ממנו איש קטן לאיש גדול, שהוא בעצם כן עשה מעשים טובים, והוציאו אותו בדיוק ההפך. תראה, אני מאמין שישוע, שבא לפני חורבן בית המקדש, שהוא הקשים את אלה בדיוק, הוא בא לפני שבעים לספירה, הוא נולד בבית לחם, 
שהעם שלנו דחה אותו, הוא סבל ומת, אבל הוא קם לתחייה. היו 500 אנשים יהודים שראו אותו חי אחרי שהוא מת, והם כתבו עליו, וגם כמובן הגויים קיבלו אותו אפילו מיליארדים, והמשיח אמר, אני אקח את זה על עצמי, אני, כל הסבל והעונש שהיה מגיע לכם, אני אקח את זה על עצמי. אבל כדי לקבל את זה, אנחנו חייבים לעשות מה שהיו עושים אז. מתוודים על החטאים, מצטערים עליהם, להתחייב לא לעשות אותם עוד, וגם להאמין ולהעביר את החטאים שלנו עליו. רק אם אנחנו נאמין באותו משיח ונקבל אותו, אז, אז הוא יקבל את כל, כל החטא שלנו על עצמו. לא נראה לי ששמעתי את הדברים האלה בגלל שהנושא מגיע לישו. כבר יש כזה מחסום, שלא רוצים אפילו לחשוב על זה, לא, לא רוצים אה, לפתוח את הראש, להיות, אה, באמת, להביא לזה מחשבה קצת. זה, לא יודע, מסתכלים עליו כאילו, כן, כמו שכתוב בפסוק הזה, שדחו אותו. Please pray for our ministry. Messiah has come. Nearly 2,000 years ago, he came into Jerusalem. He entered Jerusalem. He rebuked Jerusalem, and then he wept for Jerusalem. As we prepare our hearts for the celebration of his resurrection a week from today, let's remember all of those Jew and Gentile who have yet to understand or receive the resurrection. Let's pray together. Avinu malkeinu baruch shem kavod machutole olam vayed, our Father and our King, blessed is your holy name forever and ever. Lord, thank you that we can come together uh, today and, and learn more about you, that we can read about you, Yeshua, as you enter Jerusalem. I pray for those here this morning who may not know you yet, that they would have seen you this morning in a different way, a real way. And I pray, Father, that you would help all who may not know you to open their hearts to your salvation, to your grace, to your love, to your power, Jesus. Uh, and for those of us who know and love you, uh, help us to uh, see you more clearly, to serve you more fervently, to love you more deeply. And uh, Lord, we just want you to know how grateful we are for what you did for us 2,000 years ago. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to try to close up very quickly. Um, and in order for me to let you know how you can be praying for our ministry, I'd like to ask you to take out one of these cards that you should have received when you came in this morning. If you did not get one of these cards, and many of you may not have, could you raise your hand and keep it raised high so that a deacon or usher will see you and bring you one? I see several hands, so if you guys can just get the cards out to all these people up here and over here and over here, 
uh, one per family or single adult. What I'm getting ready to do is a little, to do is a little bit corny, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, look at your cards. You'll notice that there are two panels, a larger and smaller, separated by a perforation. Don't tear along the perforation just yet because I want you to join me in an ancient Jewish ceremony known as the ceremony of the tearing of the involvement card together in unison at the count of three. And that was supposed to be funny because there is no ancient Jewish ceremony like that. Look at all these people over here. Okay, um, I'm gonna give you just a second. While you're getting your cards, don't tear along the perforation. Um, let me just let you know that we want you all to receive our prayer letter and to be praying for us. My wife, Elena, and I are traveling to Israel in May, not to take a tour in May, but uh, as a working trip to go over there. We're working with other ministries in Israel to plan a major outreach um, in Israel in 2018. So we are going there to figure out how we're going to do what we're going to do in 2018. Um, I am taking a tour to Israel in October. So if you're interested in going to Israel, if you've never been to Israel before, or if you want to go with a Jewish believer and yeah, come on, let's go. It's going to be fun. We already have people who, um, have put their deposits down, and so it looks like this trip is going to be a go, and I'm excited about it. Um, we are reaching Jewish people in Atlanta throughout the Southeast, and we need you guys praying for us as we share Jesus with the Jewish community. So take your cards, get ready to tear along the perforation at the count of three. I'm going to count to three in Hebrew. You'll know when to tear the card. Right. Are you ready? Here we go. Achat Shtayim Shalosh. That was terrible. <laughs> terrible, get it? Terrible, terrible. Come on, I'm trying. All right, keep the small portion as a prayer reminder. Go ahead and fill out the larger portion of card on the front with all the appropriate information, snail mail and email. We want to be in touch with you guys. Also in the back, I have books. Let me quickly show you three books. This is my book called Devoted to Israel. It's a devotional with 70 devotions uh, that will help you understand Israel, the Jewish people, what's happening in the Middle East. And I wrote it specifically for people to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, for the people in the Middle East. So that's my book. These two books are study books. These are not books that you're going to read in a day. You're going to want to sit down with your Bibles. You want to sit down and study. This book is called A Covenant people, Israel from Abraham to the present, goes through all the covenants of God. It's excellent, well-written book. We really do have to understand God's covenants. Uh, if we miss his covenants, we miss God. And so uh, it's important to understand the covenants of God. And it's also very important to understand Israel and who is Israel and what is Israel and how does Israel fit into the church and does and how is it related and how's the church related to Israel. This book called The People, the Land, and the Future of Israel is excellent. Again, it's a study book. I'm just gonna flip through and I don't know where I'm gonna land, but at the end of every chapter, there's uh, there are study questions. So let me read the study questions I just opened up. And the first one is, why did some of the leaders in the early church speak against the book of Hebrews and the general epistle, epistles? What are some of the Jewish characteristics of the book of Hebrews? Um, in what ways does the author of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews warn his Jewish readers with regards to maintaining their faith? Um, 
How do the authors of the book of Hebrews and the general epistle speak of Israel's future and the fulfillment of the biblical promises? So that's just like one chapter where you would be studying all of this. It's really, 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 really good. So take a look at the books when you leave and I'll be back there. And the last way you guys can be involved with our ministry this morning is through a love offering. As Pastor Jerry said, there will be plates in the back. You can put your cards in the plates as you leave so that we can stay in touch with you. I want to say something about the love offering. Um, we're working really hard to take Jesus uh, to the Jewish people. My people need Jesus. You saw a video. We've been in, God, in God's word. And uh, that's what we do. The Jewish people, I'm going to say this in closing. The Jewish people have given us so much. If it were not for them, we wouldn't have the church. We wouldn't have our Bibles. We wouldn't have baptism or communion. We wouldn't have Jesus. We wouldn't have salvation. Jesus himself said, salvation is from the Jews, meaning he came to us through them. They've given us so much. The greatest gift we can give back to them is the gift of Jesus. Everything in this love offering will go to that end. You can make your checks payable to Light of Messiah Ministries. Cash, obviously, on the back of the card, there's a way to give. I have a square for my phone if you want to use a debit card. You pray about it. Be obedient to the Lord as God speaks to your heart. God bless y'all. I'm going to be back here at 6 o'clock. We're going to be doing a quick overview of the Passover. So it'll be like 30 or 35-minute overview of Passover and unleavened bread. And then I'm going to have a question and answer time tonight as well. So if you can be back here at 6 o'clock, uh, I think you'll learn a lot. So if you will stand for the benediction, and I will dismiss you. And I'm actually going to walk out as I give the benediction. That way I'll get to the back. How's that? All right. So if you will bow your heads for the benediction, this is the ancient priestly blessing from the book of Numbers chapter 6, first in Hebrew and then in English. Yair Adonai Panavalecha Vichunecha Yisa Adonai Panavalecha Vyaseim Lecha Shalom The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom his peace. B'shem Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar HaShalom, in the name of Jesus, our Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Amen. God bless y'all. We'll see you hopefully back here at six o'clock. You're dismissed. <laughs>